Amen. Hey, if you've got that outline, um, it's not going to be of much help this morning because I'm changing things around a little bit, but you might want to pull it out because we're a note-taking church and we invite you to grab a pen. We've got one sitting on that chair, probably that pocket right in front of you. And we're gonna, I'm going to invite you to take some notes. Um, sometimes we, we, in a series, we'll have fill-in-the-blanks and we'll have different things that I'll give you. In this series that we launched last week, I'm just providing a note section. And maybe the most important part of the note section would be the back, where it's completely blank, okay? And, um, and maybe you'd write down something that you would hear that would be brand new to you. And maybe the most important thing, I tell you this often, is that you might hear a whisper of God, you might hear the Lord speak over your soul, and why not write that thing down? Because that's the most important thing, that you would write that down and hold on to that, okay? We uh, started a brand new series last week, and here's the title of the series, God, Who Do You Think You Are? Now, it might sound a little sacrilege, but the truth of the matter is, God over and over again in Scripture was trying to communicate to His people who He was, and He did that through His name. So we've been, we, we launched a series on the names of God, and there are more than 100 names of God. Wouldn't it be fun to stay there all, you know, for a whole year, two years, right? But I'm only going to be there for five weeks. I'm going to grab five big names of God. And I'm going to teach you about those names. Um, and I, I told you last week about a journey in my spiritual world in 1992 when I first latched on to the power of God's names. And it transformed my prayer life. It trans- transformed my walk. And it transformed even the way I pray today for other people. So I'm ho- I hope that you will, you will see life and power in the names that God communicates to us about himself. So the name that we're going to study today, and we'll get to that in just a few minutes, but uh, the name we're going to study today is Jehovah Mekadesh. We're going to study that name. Now, let me remind you of a couple of things before we get started that I, that I remind you, uh, I, I shared with you last week. Names are powerful. Um, I talked with you last week about names being a gateway, right? You can't get to know anybody if you don't know their name, okay? And so when I met my wife, the first thing I, I mean, I didn't know she's my wife at that time. I just know she's a beautiful brunette, right? And I just, I knew that the only way I could get to know her was, hey, what's your name, you know? And that's, that, that's a gateway to relationship. And God knows that. God knows that names are a gateway to relationship. And so he gave himself more than 100 names in the Bible for us to get to know him better. Now, somebody once explained it to me this way. Imagine God, the God of the universe, the God who flung every, everything that we know out in space, even where we can't go yet in galaxies, right? Imagine the God of all of that trying to communicate to us in our little finite thing we call language. It'd be like God trying to squeeze all of the cosmos and all of the galaxies through that little bitty hole in the front of that toothpaste tube you squeeze out every morning, right? You know, it's like God trying to get through language who he is. And when, when God is trying to communicate to, to, through, to us through language, and for most of us that's even in a, it's even a smaller tube than that, it's English. When he's trying to communicate that to us, one name, one word, one, word, one, one, one little passage won't do. He's so much bigger than that. And so last week we talked about Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. And that's one dimension, but when you turn that diamond a little bit more, all of a sudden a different dimension of God shines out. We're going to study this morning Jehovah Mekadesh, the the Lord who sanctifies you. And so 
one name of God won't do justice, right? And here's the cool thing. Remember what I shared with you last week? God gives every one of these names. Remember that German word I shared with you? Um, He gives it to us in a life situation. He gives it to us in a situation in our life. And every name of God that you will ever learn, there will be a situation in life where you could apply one of those names of God. Remember, Jehovah Shalom, right? The, God, the Lord is our peace. You're going to need moments where you call on the name of Jehovah, Jehovah Shalom to be your peace when you're in the midst of chaos, right? There are, there are situations in life, even in the Bible, where God gave these names, and there are situations in life you're going to find yourself. And, I, and I'll remind you of what I said last week as well. It's very hard to call on a name you don't know, Right? I'll say that one more time. Did you miss that? It's hard to call on a name you don't know. So when you're going through a life situation and you need to call on the name of God, because the psalmist said we should call on the name of God because his name is power, you, you can't call on the name of God if you don't know the names of God in those life situations. So we're going to study today one of the names of God. Now, it's found in the book of Leviticus. Um, here's the reason I told you that outline is not going to be very good. I was on vacation this week. And I developed uh, and put that scripture together uh, from the first portion of Leviticus chapter 20. Most of what I'm going to be sharing today is from the latter portion of Leviticus chapter 20, okay? And so if you've got your Bible, this is one of those great Sundays where if you brought your Bible or your iPhone or your Android device and you've got the Bible right there in front of you, it's going to be great. So turn with me, if you will, to Leviticus chapter 20 because that's where this name of God is found. It's found in the book of Leviticus chapter 20. Now, before I dive into the name of God, let me explain to you a little bit about Leviticus, okay? Because a lot of people, they they only know there's a book called Leviticus, and they don't know very much about Leviticus, okay? Leviticus is very early on in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, here are the books of the Bible, ready? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, right? And and it's a very important book, but the truth of the matter is a lot of people kind of want to skip over Leviticus because it's kind of a harder book to read. And sometimes it's a little harder book to understand. So sometimes folks, they, they read Genesis and they read Exodus, and then they skip over Leviticus and they'll run straight to Numbers or to Deuteronomy. Now, understand what's going on in the Bible in this story, okay, contextually. You know what Exodus is about, right? In the book of Exodus, God is exiting his people from the hand of Egypt, right? He is saving his people. You know that whole story of Moses and Pharaoh, right? God is bringing them out of bondage. He's delivering them from the hand of slavery in Egypt, and he's going to take them where? To the promised land, right? And he's going to take them to, a, to what's called Canaan land. It's called the land uh, flowing with milk and honey. It's the promised land. It's present-day Israel, as a matter of fact. It's where we know Israel today. He's going to take them to that land. The book of Leviticus was written in the in-between time, okay? The people of God had, had been delivered, but they weren't yet in the promise. They had been rescued, but they hadn't seen their full destiny lived out yet. They're in the wilderness, okay? And in the in-between time, God has a good word that he wants to speak over his people. He's got a word he wants to pour into his people because he wants them to start living. Listen, he wants them to start living a different way while they're on the journey to the destiny that he called them. He knows they're going to face certain things when they get to the promised land, and he wants them to live a certain way along the way so that when they get there, they're going to act a certain way. If you have your, I'm just going to give you every once in a while, I'll say, hey, if you want to write this down, it might be a good thing to write down. Hey, here's a little thing to write down. When you think about Leviticus, 
Think about a couple of words, okay? Leviticus, this is what this book is about. It's about walk and worship. That's what Leviticus is about. He wants to talk to them while they're on the way to the promised land about how they walk and how they worship. Or you might write these two words down. It's about life and liturgy. He's going to talk to them about how to live, how to walk, right? How to live their life. But he's also going to talk to them about what their worship, their liturgy is supposed to look like. And here's the deal. He knows this. If he can get them to start acting a certain way while they're in the wilderness on the way to the promised land, then when they get there, they'll, it'll be a habit. They'll live that way. They'll be challenged to live that way. And he's going to tell them uh, why, that is, that, why that is so important. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Hey, the name of God, where is it found? Leviticus chapter 20. Maybe you'll read with me in verse 7 and 8. That's where the name of God is found, okay? Jehovah Mekadesh. So in verse 7, uh, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7, says this. Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. That last part right there is, I am the Lord, Jehovah Mekadesh, the Lord who makes you holy. Now, I'm going to read this from a different translation because I think this other translation gives us a little different insight. I'm going to read it from the New King James because the words change a little bit. Here it said holy. Now let's read it from the New King James Version, okay? New King James, uh, Leviticus, Levit Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God. By the way, that word sanctify, it means set yourselves apart. Be different. Put yourselves apart. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God, and ye shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which sanctifies you. I, I am Jehovah Mekadesh, all right? I am the one who makes you holy, who sets you apart. God is giving them an understanding of who he is. Now, that word, by the way, sanctifies, there's a lot of different translations or, I guess, modifications or derivatives of that word. You've maybe heard the word consecrate before, or you've heard the word holy, uh, sacred. Uh, these are words sanctified to be, is, is to be made holy or to be set apart. Now, while we're talking about Leviticus, we're gonna, let me share with you, you want to write these three words down. There are three words that will really help you understand Leviticus, all right? And the first word is the word common. So write that word down somewhere, common. So common is just regular, ordinary, every day. That's what common is, okay? And then write another word down. I put it on the lower-hand section here of the screen, and, and it's the word profane, meaning polluted, profane. And then the third word that would help you understand Leviticus is the word sacred, okay? So let's break those apart real quickly. Common, common are, are the things that God has made that are just regular, ordinary, everyday thing, you know? And by the way, the Bible says that everything that God made was good, okay? So think when you think of common, think of a, think of a tree. Think of anything that God has made. Think of something that's just common. It's there, all right? But now profane is something that is polluted, okay? So profane, as a matter of fact, I, I, when I see the word profane, I think of the word profanity. What is profanity? Profanity is polluted speech, Right? So common speech would just be every or everyday ordinary speech, but profanity would be polluted speech, right? You see that difference? Now, what is sacred? Sacred is when God takes the common 
the ordinary, the everyday, and he sets it apart. It's become sacred. He sets it apart for his purposes. He sets it apart for his use. That's what sacred is. That's what it means to be sanctified, all right? So, for example, I bet you don't even know this, that there's some ways that in your home and in my home, we sanctify things and we don't even know that, right? We, we set them apart. For example, in my house, my wife, and, and, and there's a little room in my house we call the dining room. And one of the most expensive pieces of furniture in my dining room is this big uh, brown thing with glass in it. What do you call that thing? It's got a little china cabinet, thank you very much. A china cabinet, right? And I don't even know how I paid for the thing, but it's beautiful, and, it, and it's got all these special dishes in it, right? Glass and china. It's got sterling silver in there, right? I mean, it's got the nice stuff. It's the expensive stuff. Now, that we, we set that apart. Now, there's another place where you've got dishes in your house sitting there, right? And normally, it's behind just the old wooden cabinet. Might have it might have a little bit of glass in it, but normally, we call that our ordinary dishes, Right? And if, the, if one of our kids breaks one of our ordinary dishes, mama ain't going to get so upset, right? But if they go in there and start eating on the china, who is that china for, by the way, right? It ain't even for the family, right? It's for other people, right? It is set apart. It's been, it's been made. It's not common, all right? Are you get my picture? It is not common. It has been set apart. I, I remember when I was growing up in my home, my, my mama and daddy had our living room, and then they had the den. The, living, the den was where we lived, okay? The living room, I couldn't hardly go in there, all right? It was pristine. It had a piano in there. You just didn't go in the den. I mean, that was a spe- I mean the, the living room, it was a special place, all right? There are some things that we just set apart. Now, what God is going to share in Leviticus is that there are certain things that are common, and then there are other things that are profane. And he doesn't want his children to be polluted by those profane things. And even more so than that, God wants his children to be set apart. He wants them to look different, act different, talk different. He wants them to be different. All right, you following me? So here's what's going to happen. You won't follow me. In this passage of Scripture, Leviticus chapter 20, God's got his people out of Egypt. They're on the road of recovery. They're out of their bondage. They They are journeying towards their destiny, okay? And in the middle of it, he says, listen, I want to talk to you about your life. I want to talk to you about the way you worship, and I want you to do things different. I want you to be holy and set apart. Here's why. Because when you get there to that land, that destiny, that promised land, there's going to be some people there. There's going to be Amalekites, Jebusites, Midianites. There's going to be some people there, and they're doing some bad stuff, all right? And if you don't get this now, you're going to get there, and you are going to be you're going to be bent towards them. You're going to do things their way. You're going to adopt their practices. You've got to get this now because I haven't called you to be common, and I sure hadn't called you to be profane. I have called you to be sacred, and God is going to speak over his people, and he wants them to understand his holiness, his, what he is calling us to. So one more time, verses 7 and 8, and I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. This is, that, this is where we get the name of God. Sanctify yourselves, therefore. And be ye holy. He's telling them this while they're on the way. For I am the Lord your God. And ye shall keep my statutes and do them. I am Jehovah Mekadesh. I am the Lord who sets you apart. Who makes you holy. Who sanctifies you. 
By the way, guys, this is just the way God operates. God, our God is a God who wants to be set apart. You remember the first of the Ten Commandments, right? You remember that? You know, thou shalt worship no other God before me. I am set apart. I am different, right? You remember, this is our God. This is who he is. And he's communicating something about himself to his children. Now, I'm going to pick up in that passage. I ask you to turn with me to Leviticus chapter 20. Would you, would you turn with me to verse 22? I'm going to pick up there. It's not on your outline, but it's right there in the Bible. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 22. And here's what that, that passage says. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. God says, keep all my decrees and laws and follow them so that the land where I am bringing you to live, the promised land, may not vomit you out. You must not live according to the custom of the nations I am going to drive out before you because they did all these things. I abhorred them. But I said to you, you will possess their land. I will give it to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has set you apart from the nations. Wow, there's, there's a lot in that. Okay, so let's unpack that for a minute. First of all, verse 22. Just look back at verse 22 with me for a minute. God says, keep all my decrees and laws and follow them so that the land where I am bringing you, your destiny, to live may not vomit you out. Wow, okay, that's kind of gross, but let's follow that, okay? God is evidently, follow this, evidently the very land that God has promised them, their destiny, the very place he is moving them towards and he wants them to be, evidently the destiny, the place of destiny, if you don't live right in the place of destiny, you can be kicked out of the place of destiny. I want you to think about that for a minute. God can have a future God can have a preferred place for you, for your family. Consider it a career, consider it a job, consider it a, a place where he wants you to live, consider it your, the place where your family goes socially and, and mentally and relationally. There can be a destiny that God has for you that if you don't live the right way there, what's going to happen? It's going to vomit you out. Now, track with me there. That's powerful. They are hearing while they're on the way to their destiny that you need to follow my decrees and my laws and that's where you, so I'm going to bring you to that land. If you don't, the land, he literally says, the land will vomit you out. All right, we'll talk about what, how we break that down in a minute. But that's important. Second thing, look at the next verse. Verse 23. You must not live according to the customs of the nations I am going to drive out before you. Because they did all these things. They did some terrible, terrible things. I abhorred them. What God is saying here, just... Just important here. What God is saying here is you're not supposed to live and look like those people. They're, going, they're, they're living there. You're supposed to look different. You're supposed to act different. You're supposed to talk different. You're supposed to think different. You are supposed to be different. You know, in the New Testament, when you pick up your Bible, we're in the Old Testament right now, but when you pick up your Bible and you turn over the New Testament, you'll find a different word for this. You'll find the word, the word is actually worldliness. And in the New Testament, the Bible, uh, the, the, the writers of the New Testament over and over again tell us, be, be careful of the worldliness. The world's going to try to get you to look like it and be like it and talk like it and want what it wants. And, and, and the writers of the New Testament say, this is not life for you. You do not look like the world. You don't want to live in the world. You're not of this world. 
Don't be worldly, all right? But way back here in the third book of the Old Testament, God is saying to them, listen, here it is. You're not supposed to live according to their customs. You're not supposed to live like them. You're supposed to be different. God's saying that right there in verse 23. He is basically saying this. When you get there, you don't need to want to look like them and dress like them. You're going to want to, but I'm telling you not to. You don't need to think like them. You don't need to talk like them. You don't need to worship their gods. Listen, you know what God was going to explain? You can read that whole chapter, verse 20. Just maybe if you've got a minute while I'm talking, maybe you just scan down through it. God paints some terrible pictures of what these people are doing in the land where they're going. I mean, he talks about there, there's going to, you're going to experience people who are, who are mediums and they're, they're talking to, you know, they're trying to play with the spirit world. You're going to experience um, you know, men sleeping with men and women sleeping with women and children uh, sleeping with their own parents. He says there's some bad, bad stuff in that place and I'm not calling you to be there. I'm not calling you to act like that, to do what you see them doing. He's warning them right now. Are you following me, guys? And can I just pause for a minute and say there's not a person in this room, there's not a person in this room who doesn't struggle with this scary thing we talk about when we talk about worldliness? I mean, how many of us don't want to drive what we see somebody else driving, right? And we look at that and we go, wow, I'd like to have me one of them, right? Right? Or we think to ourselves, I want to dress like that person, or I want them to like me, or I want to, you know, we, we oftentimes, that's where we are. You know, I, I, want, I want to be popular in their eyes. I want them to vote for me. I want this, 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 and that. We get in that place, and we want to be like them. And God is telling them right now, listen, you're going to get to that place, and I, see it right there? They, they're doing things that I absolutely abhor. I hate what they're doing, and I did not call you to do those things. I want you to look different. Are you following me? And then look at this next one. I love this next one. He says this in verse 24, but I said to you, this is God's call. While you're on the way, I'm teaching you. I'm going to learn you. I'm going to get you there, right? We're going, but you've got to start acting this way. But I said to you, you will possess their land. I will give it to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey, I am the Lord your God who has set you apart from the nation. So here's what God's saying. I want you to follow me. God is saying this. Listen, in the wilderness, while you're journeying, if you will, would you start really understanding what I require of you with holiness? I want you to live as set apart. I want you to live as holy as you can. I want you to put it in your life. I want you to put it in your worship. I want you to walk into that promised land. And when you walk into that new place of Canaan, when you step foot in it, I want you to be the most holy nation you can be. Now watch this. Because when you go into that place, if you change, if you start adopting their stuff, you start doing what they do, here's what I'm going to tell you. I, I'm going to back away from you. I can't, I can't, I won't be with you. I'm not going to be with you when you start doing that stuff. And here's what's going to happen. You want their vote. You want to look like them? You want to talk like them? You want to act like them? I'm going to back away. And here's what's going to happen. They're going to vomit you out of the land. They're going to kill you. They're going to put you out of the land, the very destiny that I promised them. Are you tracking with me? But here's the beautiful thing. Follow this. He says this. But if you will step foot in that land as the holy people, and you will live holy for me, 
and you will not bend to their ways, bend to their words, bend to their ideas, bend to their gods. Here's what I'm going to do. You read it in verse 23, it's right there. I will begin to drive them out. I will drive them out and I'll give you the very land that they are living on. Are you? This is good stuff, guys. Are you getting this? Are you getting what God is saying? See, God is saying, listen, he's teaching them along the way. If you will live this way, when you get there, you watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you your destiny flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to give you that land, but you've got to be holy because I'm holy. And if you want to be with me, you've got to be holy in that place. Illustration from my own life for a minute. Right now, many of you know, um, and some of you don't know me at all, but that's okay. I'm going to give you a little insight into my world. Right now, um, I've got two kids off at college, and i got my third one on the way. And right now, my third one is a football athlete, and, and we're praying that God's going to provide a scholarship, okay? For spring break, we went from school to school to school to school. That's what we were doing all this week. You know, we started one to another to another, just just sharing ourselves, looking at our level of interest and hearing that. We ended yesterday at the University of North Carolina. Beautiful school, never been to it before. Chapel Hill, North Carolina, beautiful place. They roll out the red carpet. They, they have great interest. They, they tell us about this phenomenal school, the academics. They, they paint this picture of their university. It looks like a phenomenal place. Now, what you need to understand, follow this. Alex and I, it's just me and my son. Alex and I, we're on the way. We were praying about what God's destiny is for this young man. Are you with me? I'm his dad. I'm going with him. I'm in the journey with him. I'm praying for what the destiny looks like. We know God's got a plan. We know God's got a destiny. And right now, we're just on the journey, all right? And so, I'm driving away from the University of North Carolina, and I'm still praying, God, I don't know. He's over there sleeping. Okay, I'm praying. He's sleeping, but I'm driving, and I'm praying, all right? And I'm talking to the Lord about this young man's destiny because I know that God's got a destiny for my child. I hope if you're a parent, you know God's got a destiny for your child. And you need to pray over that destiny God's got for your child, right? And so I'm driving down the road, and I don't know whether it's, I don't know what schools it is. It could be Memphis, Mississippi State, Alabama, Georgia. We've been to all these different schools in North Carolina. We're driving, and I'm just sitting there thinking, God, I don't know where that destiny is you have for him, but what if it's North Carolina? Smart school, academic school, but probably a very liberal school. And God, when you finally show us that place of destiny you want us to be, what's going to happen to him? When he walks and sets foot on the very place that you provided for him, the very place that you have for him to go to school, what's going to happen to him if he walks on that place and all that me and mom and this church and all these other God followers have placed in him, trusted in him, all of a sudden, he looks at what everybody else is doing. He starts just acting like the rest of them. Are you tracking with me? See, if he moves into that place and he just starts thinking like they think, doing what they do, if he starts living like the rest of that campus and that world, and he doesn't look different, I can tell you, according to Leviticus 20, the very destiny that God called him to can spit him out. If he's not walking 
like God called him to walk. And see, this is what I'm telling you about me and you, right? God's got a destiny in front of us, and he wants us to live in a way that is holy and pleasing to him as we are journeying towards this place. He wants, he wants this of us. Do you get it? You, I mean, you get it? Let me say it a little differently. God is a jealous God, and he wants all of us. He doesn't want us to, to give part of ourselves to the world. And by the way, if you haven't figured this out yet, the world wants all of you too. The world you live in wants all of you. It wants you to act a certain way that is not in accordance with what God's plan, His vision, His destiny is for your life. And so here's what happens. Every one of us struggle with this. We start to get around people who are different from us that we know talk in ways that our Father doesn't want us to talk or think in ways our Father does, and we start adopting those things. We start living in those things, those, those things that are of the world. Now, here's the danger. Watch this. But what's become vogue now is we don't really call those things what they really are. We'll say, you know, I, I don't know, it's a, it's a habit. I got a habit. Everybody's got a habit. We'll call it a weakness. Everybody's got a weakness, you know. That's my weakness. This is where I struggle. This is my, this is my place of my weakness. We'll call it, you know, blame, blame it on mom and daddy. This is the home I grew up in, and I can't help it. I, I mean, this is, this is that. And instead, listen, if it's a sin, we've got to learn to call it a sin. And this is one of the biggest tro- problems with American Christianity today American Christians have stopped calling sin what sin really is. And we stop saying, okay, that stuff is unholy. God abhors it. And, and I'm starting to bring it into me. But it's not just a weakness or a habit. You know what it is? It's a sin. Now, here's the very important thing. Listen carefully. This is so true. You can't cure it unless you know what to call it, right? We got to learn how to call it something. Then we can know what cures it, right? You can't cure it unless you know how to call it by its name. And I think right now God is calling you and me to look into our own lives and say, hey, in what ways have I adopted some things of this world? Am I looking just like everybody else? I'm not looking different. I'm not talking different. I'm not thinking different. I'm not speaking differently. I'm not acting differently. I need to say, God, I, I want to get serious because I know that you're serious. You're serious about sanctification. When am I going to get serious about sanctification, being set apart, being made holy, holy. Now, follow me on this for a minute. Sanctification, uh, being set apart, being made holy. Here's what I want you to understand. Listen carefully. It's a process. Okay? It doesn't happen overnight. You don't take a pill and all of a sudden become Mr. Holy in pants, you know? That's not the way it works, all right? It's a process. It's waking up. And walking like God tomorrow and journeying towards holiness that day. And then the very next day, journeying towards holiness. And then the very next day, journeying towards... It's a journey. It's a process. God's sanctification, His holiness is a process, but it's part of your heritage. If you became a Christ follower by the blood of the cross, you were, you were set apart. You were sanctified. And that's the way you were supposed to live. So what about your walk? What about your worship? Are you living a set-apart life? And see, here's what God is saying to you and me. God is saying, I want you to live like me. 
And I, if it's okay, what, if you'll allow me, I'm Jehovah Mekadesh. I will begin to strip away the things of the world from you, and I can make you holy. I will pull away the things of the world from you if you will partner with me and allow me to be the one who sets you apart and makes you holy. I am Jehovah Mekadesh. I I can set you apart. I can strip away the things of this world and make you sacred. I can take you, watch this, from profane to common and from common to sacred if you will allow me, if you will allow me. Real quickly, verse 7 and 8. This is important. This is worth, by the way, the price of admission, right? Okay, watch this. Leviticus 27 8. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord. I am Jehovah Mekadesh. There's a step one and a step two, and we read that. This is the third time we've read that, and I bet you didn't even step, you didn't catch step one and step two. All right, watch this. God just doesn't come in and sanctify you. That's not the way he works. If you don't know very much about God yet, or maybe you've been journeying a little while and you know a little bit of this, let me tell you this. Here's the way God works. God honors your free will, and he will never force you to do anything. It's not the way he works. Some people have called God the ultimate gentleman. He will never force you to take his love. He will never force you to let him, you know, lead you. That's not the way he works. So God is basically sitting back, and he's saying, what do you want? Here in this scripture, look at step one. What's the first word? Sanctify yourself. Some passages say, consecrate yourselves, therefore. It means set yourselves apart. Set yourself apart first. You really want to see God's holiness at work in your life? The first thing you do is you have to do something. You have to set yourself apart first. And if you do that and you say, I'm going to sanctify myself, I'm going to consecrate myself, I'm going to move towards holiness. Watch this. That's step one. Watch this. Then God says, I, and you start keeping my statutes and you do them, I am the Lord who will sanctify you. Listen, here's a little clue for you and me. You really can't make yourself holy. Did you know that? I mean, <laughs> you can't make yourself holy. You will blow it, okay? You will blow it time and time again. The Bible says there's not one, Romans chapter 1, there's not one of us that's holy. But you can set yourself apart. You can start moving towards holiness and say, God, this is what I want. I want your holiness over my life. I want to live your way. And here's what God says. When you do that, I will come in and do what you can't do. I will come in and make you holy. I will come in and sanctify you. I will come in and do the work over your life. Are you tracking with me? You following me? Another personal illustration from my life. And this is what I think about that whole thing. Um, little illustration. In January of this year, like every January of every year, I started getting active at my local gym, okay? I wanted to get, I wanted to start exercising, right? I was doing the cardio. I was starting to lift my weights. January. Many of you know in February, late January, early February, for about four weeks, my middle child, my son was hospitalized, had ulcers in his stomach. You guys were wonderful. You loved on us during that, that hospitalization. But for about four weeks, we were at Emory, and I was with my son every day, every day. I wasn't going to the gym every day. For four weeks, I got out of my routine, all right? Four weeks. When he was out, you know, back on the Emory campus again, the first week, which was like the last week of February, the first week, I was swamped in work. I mean, you ever been there before? 
I just had so much to do. I had been in the hospital. I had not been on the job. I had so much to do. I was just like, okay, I'm not going to the gym because I got a lot to do, right? And I was, I was busy. Second week, first week, um, first week of March, um, second week, I was just like, man, I, I just, I got, I got so much to do. I can't, I can't go to the gym. Third week, second week of March, so I got so much to do. I can't go to the gym. I'm just kind of, I'm trying to, trying to, you know, water level starting to finally go down a little bit. Fourth week after Andrew's out of the hospital, it's the third week of March, and I'm caught up. But I don't feel like going to the gym. I mean, you ever been there before? <laughs> I don't feel like going. I just don't. And, and by the way, your laughter means you've been there, right? I mean, I don't feel like I'm like, okay, I'm not going this week. You know, I, I'd like to go, but I'm just not. My son's probably really thinking bad thoughts about me right now because he works out all the time. Next week, next week, I don't feel like going. I'm not going. I'm just not going. Can't get, I'm, not, I'm, I'm unmotivated, demotivated. Confession is good for the soul. I was demotivated, okay? I didn't want to go to the gym. Now, I want you to watch what was happening. The gym was still sitting there. Paid membership in full. All right? It's waiting for me to show up. All the equipment's there, ready to make me healthy and whole, right? All the equipment works, it's ready to go. All I've got to do is show up. But I don't feel like showing up, you know? So the one thing that's missing is me. See, here's how the Christian life works. Follow me here. You say, I don't, I don't, I'm not hearing God's voice right now, Pastor. I don't know why I'm not hearing God's voice. I'm not seeing God at work around me. I'm not experiencing His presence. I don't know why I just feel like I'm in a wilderness right now. I just feel so far away from God. And I'm saying to you, hey, what have you done? I mean, everything can be there for God's power and His miracles in your life. And all the equipment is ready to work. But if you don't do something, step number one, to sanctify yourself, to set you apart and move towards holiness. If you don't show up and say, God, here I am, fat as everything, ready to work with you, right? I mean, if you don't show up and say, here I am, listen, that's when God says, all right, now that you showed up, let's start the process. I'm going to start moving you towards health and wholeness. I'm going to start every, let me tell you, you want, you want God's presence in your life? You want to see the miraculous power of God in your life? You ready to finally start hearing God's voice? You want to walk in God's blessing? You want to see Him hold, bring holiness in your life? Step one is you set yourself apart. And you say, you know what, God? I have way too long been moving towards the world, acting like the world, wanting what the world wants. I'm hearing the call of my father today. My father is saying, I, I didn't make you to be like the world. I don't want you to look like the world. I don't want you to think like the world. It's death. Hey, can we just be honest for a minute, by the way? Some of that stuff that the world does, it's fun. Right? But the Bible says it's only fun for a short amount of time. It's pleasurable, but it ends in death every time. So, here's the question. Tom, can you put that up on the screen? Here's the question. No, 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 the three words. Here's the question. Do you want to be common? Or do you want to be sacred? 
See, that's the question I think that our father, Jehovah M. Mekadesh, he brings to us today and says, I'm the God who sanctifies you. What do you want? What do you really want? And, and our father today would say, listen, like me driving down the road with my son from University of North Carolina going back, but, but God having so much more knowledge than me, your father would say to you today, listen, I know your destiny. I know the very destiny that I've called you towards. And I know that it looks different from the rest of the world. I know that. And I want you to understand how different it looks from the rest of the world. And I want your destiny, and I want that differentness for your best. Because it's the best way for you to live. And the world doesn't know anything about what the best is for you. I know the best. I want you to walk in a way that is holy and different. So today, close this message. Every one of these messages in this series, I'm going to have an altar time. And last week we invited some folks to pray, and man, this, lots of folks came and talked with God, crying out for Jehovah Shalom. Today, if you've been hearing God just kind of tap you on the shoulder, whisper in your ear, tugging at your heart. Maybe some of you have been feeling God actually saying something a lot stronger than that. Here's what I'm going to do. Today I'm going to invite you to come and together I'm going to pray a prayer of consecration over you. I'm going to invite, if God's talking to you today, I'm just going to invite you to come and bow a knee and together we're going to pray that God would, God would hear our cry as we move towards holiness, that we are going to sanctify ourselves and that we are going to commit ourselves to a holier level of living. And that tomorrow we're going to walk towards holiness. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And we're going to trust Jehovah Mekadesh to sanctify us as his children along the way. So if God's been speaking to you. And you want to take a step of action to set yourself apart. I'm going to invite you to just come on forward right now. Just come forward and bow a knee here. By the way, I'm going to bow a knee right with you. Hmm. I told you when we started this series, I just knew that God was going to do some powerful things in our world. And by the way, if you can't bow, that's all right. You can just stand right with us. You're unable to bend the knee. That's okay. So I get ready to lead you in prayer. I just want to say to those of you who are mothers and fathers and grandparents, this is so important that we are setting ourselves apart. So many times our children are not living the way they ought to live because we haven't set ourselves apart the right way. And there is a covering that can be placed over your entire family if you will set yourself apart. The New Testament talks about wives who are even unbelievers being able to sanctify their husbands if they set themselves apart. So today, God, here we are. Here you see the heart cry of every person that's in this place right now. And today, here we are. We, we want to make a move towards you. We confess we live in a world that is filled with things that you abhor. And so many times we find ourselves just looking like it. 
We find ourselves thinking like it and wanting what it wants. And oh God, today we hear your clarion call. It's a holy call that says, I have called you to look different and think different. I have called you to act different. I've called you to be a peculiar people, a wonderful people, a different people. But you must take a step towards me. Today, Lord, we commit today in the name of Jesus as we bow this knee. We know that the blood of Calvary has paid for every holy and good work inside of us. Today, we commit to show up towards what you want to do in our lives. We take a step of sanctifying ourselves before you, setting ourselves apart the best we know how. We will wake up tomorrow morning and think differently. We will pursue a better course, a more holy course, God. We pray this over ourselves, our lives. We pray this over our marriages. We pray this over our children and our grandchildren. We pray this over our families. We pray this over our church, God. We know that you have a destiny in front of us, God. And we want to be in the fullness of that destiny. We want to walk into that destiny with holiness. We want to take the very good thing that you've planned for us and walk into it. So God, today... We take a step towards you. And James 4.8 says this, when we move towards you, you run towards us. So today, Lord, hear our hearts cry. Flood us with your Holy Spirit. Give us power that we would not possess by ourselves to walk in a holy way, to think in a holy way, and to follow your word, for your word is life. This is our prayer, Lord. In the name of Jesus, this is our commitment. May it be so with each and every one of us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, church? Amen. All right, now.